Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Delighted to be with you again today. Thank you so much for joining us as we take a look at the power of large multifamily real estate investing. As a principal of both Whitehaven Capital and Whitehaven Construction, Bill Labovich oversees new acquisitions, asset management, and investor relations. Since 2006, he has been a principal in full cycle trends, actions totaling $250 million. Ben attended the University of Cincinnati for both undergraduate and graduate studies. He has been a guest on over a dozen real estate-related podcasts, was featured on the cover of REIA Wealth Management, and is a public speaker at events across the country and is a published author. So Ben, tell us a memorable experience that helped shape who you are today. First of all, hello. Thank you for the invite to be on your show. Pleasure to be with you. When in the first year of my master's degree program, I was diagnosed with probable multiple sclerosis. I was a violin player by trade. I still am a violin player by trade. This is what I trained to do. But of course, having a, an autoimmune condition that impacts uh, in very uncertain ways, potentially, mobility and such, it wasn't logical to pursue that career at that point. And so a lot of research later, I ended up in real estate. That I think was the formative experience. You know, everybody reads Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Everybody reads all that stuff. And to most people, it was a question of, hey, I don't want to have a boss. I just, I don't, it, it was a want to for a lot of my friends and, and colleagues. For me, it was, I can't. My back was to the wall and I had to figure out a way to do it, to create wealth with my brain, more so with my hands and my fingers and my legs and my feet. And so that's how I ended up in real estate. Wow. Short and sweet explanation. <laughs> Violin is such a, a technical and demanding instrument. And I can see why that would be a problem. Autoimmune condition like that. Well, you found a way out of that and into real estate investing. I know, though, having been training for that since you must have been a small child, very few people pick up violin in their middle school or high school years and become virtuoso. So when did you start the violin? Four. Four years old. I started when I was four. Doesn't surprise me. That's probably the other formative kind of thing. I was born in Russia. And I was a scrawny little Jewish kid in Russia. And what do Jewish parents in Russia do when they have a scrawny little Jewish boy in Russia who is about to go to military when he turns 18? And I want to make sure that he doesn't get squashed. They teach him how to play the violin. They teach him how to be a scientist. They, they do something for him that points him in a different direction. If mm -hmm. he goes to the military, he'll be sitting playing violin in the military orchestra. That kind of rationale. That, that's what happens in the Soviet Russia, okay? You know, probably somewhat formative as well because it wasn't, violin for me was a career path, even at the age of five, more so than an after-school activity. So, you know, if, it, if that opens the window into who I am and what I do and why I do yeah. it. 
a little bit. Well, I'm sure to have developed to the degree that you must have done. So there had to have been a passion for that someplace within you as well. So I'm sure it had to be extraordinarily disappointing to find out that that career path was not going to work for you. And on top of that, a debilitating autoimmune disease must have been a whole lot for a very young man. I suspect you were probably, what, in your 20s at the time that you discovered all this. There's a lot going on in a person's life at that particular age. A lot we don't know at that age, a lot uh, of expectations at that age. How did you come through that had to have been an extraordinarily challenging time? I tell people I'm lucky as all get up because I couldn't tell, you know, the more successful you become, the more difficult it is to look at how you've risen above it and have succeeded in spite of it and attributed to yourself. I believe in abundance and I believe in the power of mind and I believe on those things, but I can't tell you it's me. I mean, it has to be luck or God or put it whatever way you want to, but it, it can't just be me. And, and that, that's, the, that's the real coming of age is that we only have control to a certain extent. And we have to exercise 120% of the control that we do have. We, we must. That's why we're put on this planet to do so. But having said that, 120% isn't anywhere near enough to make things line up and work. And, and as I look at my path and my progression and, and my career and my life, I have to be really lucky. I mean, that's the only explanation I have. Ben, there's a lot going on in the real estate market these days. Well, in the economy itself, a lot of uncertainty. People are asking all kinds of questions. What's going to happen? What is coming? Yet you say that multifamily is the right vehicle for this current cycle. What is it about multifamily that is such a good deal in our current economic cycle? So... I don't make that blanket statement. I say some multifamily is the right investment vehicle in this cycle, in this particular cycle. I think later vintage, extremely well located in large growth markets is what I do and therefore what I preach. And we can have a discussion and we can go as in depth on it as you'd like, but we've sold all of our 80s product. And we're now in much later vintage, much better located properties. And there's there's a strategic reason for that. We're still, Whitehaven is still very much a value-add investor. When I renovate units, I get five to $800 of rent bump on the units that I renovate. So still very much a value-add investor. But I don't want any piece of Class C product today. And you really have to convince me to get into class B product. I like class A locations in this cycle, 15 to 20 year old product. That's where I operate today. Is that advice specific to this economic cycle? Or would you say this is a good strategy in any cycle? So later vintage, better located. There are two classes of investors, those that are mostly interested in preservation of capital and those that are interested in creating of equity, creation of wealth. When there's any kind of disruption, there's always a flight to quality because people become more interested in preserving their capital. So clearly in this economic cycle today, absolutely 
this is where you want to be. You want to be where the institutional money is going to go. But for a lot of investors, it's more important to preserve capital than to make equity in any cycle. The more successful, more accomplished investors, maybe that's the right game for them in any cycle. The opportunistic class C value-add play is very good in an evolving, still maturing cycle with a lot of runway. So that type of asset only lives in one kind of cycle. The better quality asset can live in any kind of cycle depending on the investor's needs and preferences. The more you are interested in preservation, the less risk you want to assume, the more likely you are to go into class A locations and later vintage. I think it's a necessity today. Today, I just think it's a necessity, but it could be a viable option in any cycle. Well, Ben, you are an active investor, a sponsor your deals, but you say that multifamily is a passive investment. How do you reconcile those two things? Well, it's, it's a passive investment for people who are limited partners in my partnership. So my partners and I run the deal. We're the general partner. And limited partner, it's a passive investment. So real estate, wonderful thing about real estate is it can be both or either or. It, it is what, what it is. The conversation I have very often, and I, you know, I've been in the public eye for you know, a decade writing on bigger pockets and everything else. And so a lot of people know me or know of me. And so I have this conversation like once a week, a CPA will call me, you know, a young CPA or a young, young engineer, somebody making $300,000 a year, somebody, you know, starting out, but already doing very well. And they will reach out to me and people get excited about real estate and, and they think they're going to go and buy a duplex. And it's, a, it's, it's always a half hour conversation. And it leaves me just like, if I have another one of those conversations, I'll blow my head off because uh, it's just, it's, it's so ridiculous. Like you have a piece of paper that allows you to charge $300,000, $500,000 a year in your career. And yet you are calling me to tell me you want to fix leaky faucets and toilets. Like, how does that make any sense, right? So I want to be you. If I have the capacity to stroke that kind of check, then I wouldn't have to be an active investor. So that's been, okay, today I do have that capacity, but I put money into my own deals. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the, the misconception of real estate is that everybody kind of, you know, and partially it's my fault because I was writing articles by the hundreds on bigger pockets about how real estate works and how it's a fantastic answer to a specific set of questions, which it is. But my question when I started out was very different from your question. If you are a medical professional making $300,000 a year, your question is very different from a young guy who doesn't have a thing in the bank who was diagnosed with a medical condition that even it's, it's prohibitive to even pushing that button and showing up to an orchestra rehearsal and, and logging in. You know, you can see how our stories are different. The answer can't be the same. I had to do what I had to do because I had to do what I had to do. Your situation is very different. So can we be smarter about this? And like, just because a fourplex made sense for me doesn't mean it makes sense to you. What it makes sense 
for you is write a check for $100,000 and let me run the deal. That's obviously very oversimplified, but you see where I'm going with it. And I do see where you're going. And I, I totally understand what it is that you are saying, because there is this major misconception out there that real estate investing entails investing in single family duplexes or quads. And so many people unnecessarily buy into that. There's, there's a lot of hype about that. When you first start looking into real estate investing, you're going to be hit with a barrage of information. That term, BRRRR, the B-R-R-R method, God. is just all over the place. And it works, and it's a good way to get into it for some people. But like you just illustrated, it is not particularly smart for somebody who has a high income. It's a waste of their time. It is going to be a major distraction from everything they're doing in their life. And it is not going to give them the kind of returns that they could get just by going into a limited partnership with a syndication or a partnership with people who are willing and ready to be active in that uh, particular deal. I think the concept a lot of people miss is the concept of highest and best use of your time. So it's not that buying a quad and managing it and dealing with the leases and dealing with the leaky toilets and dealing with the boyfriend busting into a door or, you know, whatever. It's not that it's not going to make money for you. It's just that, is that the best money that you can make with your time? See, in the world of investing, nothing exists in vacuum. There's the other side to basically everything. So it's not just the return, it's a time-adjusted return, or it's a risk-adjusted return, or however you want to look at it. But what a lot of people don't understand, because like you said, there's so much hype, is that there's the other side to that argument whereby putting the numbers on paper and just looking at the return doesn't describe the adjustment to that return in terms of the highest and best use of your time and what else you can do with your time or with your skill set. And people understand that once I tell them this, once I have this conversation, but people don't think that way to begin with <laughs> for some reason, which is strange to me, but maybe it's not so strange, you know, because these people are highly paid professionals. They're very successful. Frankly, they don't fail very often in life. Hence, they're successful and they're highly paid. So somebody who doesn't fail a lot in life thinks, okay, I'll take this other thing and it'll work because everything else I do works and there you go. And yeah. <laughs> how do you have that conversation, right? Yeah. You can't tell somebody that, hey, you've succeeded at everything, but this <laughs> thing, it's going to take your ass. Like, how, how do you have that conversation? It's hard. Yeah. Well, Ben, I like how you have explained that. It isn't necessarily that that they're going to fail if they purchase a duplex. They may be very successful in terms of that. But like you said, I've not heard this term used this way, but highest and best use, we hear that all the time, is this property 
being used with its highest and best utility. If it's a hotel now, could it be better as an apartment or vice versa? But applying that to the highest and best use of time is a concept I think we should all think more about because time is the one commodity we are never going to get back. And it is our probably the most valuable commodity, but yet we so often just give that away without really even thinking about the high cost of giving away that time. Ben, you have a lot of insights and knowledge uh, from a number of different perspectives. So share with our enlightened investors uh, what you have to offer and how it is they can get in touch with you to take advantage of that. Sure. So Haven is a sponsor. The two partners, two lead sponsors are myself and my partner, Sam Grooms. We invest strictly in Phoenix MSA. So unlike many, many other sponsors who are, let's live in California, but let's buy property in Florida and buy property in you know Atlanta and buy property in Texas, we live in Phoenix. Our office is in Phoenix. Our office staff is in Phoenix. And we buy property strictly in Phoenix. So we're very focused on Phoenix. We understand Phoenix block by block. Additionally, we own our construction company that does the interior renovations. To this day, I am seeing offerings that advocate $7,500 for interior renovations. And I scratch my, you know, I'm spending $24,000 and I'm going like, what are they doing for $7,500 at these inflated prices on everything? We do complete gut renovations on every unit that we renovate. And there's a reason for that. And that may be an important conversation to have if we have time, but there's a difference between lipstick on a pig renovation and a repositioning renovation. So we do repositioning. So we're very, very different. So Warren Buffett talks about diversification versus focus investing. We are a focus investor. We are in Phoenix. We're in one market. We make it our business to understand everything about this market. We also have incredible prowess as it relates to value add because of having construction in-house. We can dot the I's and cross the T's, so to speak, by being local. We couldn't do that if we tried to do this long distance. So we buy larger multifamily. I mean, the one last one was over $100 million. The one before then was $72 million. We've completely sold our 80s product. We're into 2000 plus or minus and later really good locations, close to jobs, close to tech. Phoenix, as you know, is a 5 million population at this point. So it's a primary market at this stage. Um, And the way to get hold of me is through whitehavencapital.com, www.whitehavencapital.com. Or my email is ben.labovich at whitehavencapital.com. But I understand that's going to be difficult to (laughs) Good good luck on that spelling. I am on Facebook. I am on Bigger Pockets. I am on LinkedIn. But essentially, it's www.whitehavencapital.com. And we we always have some opportunity going. And we currently do as well. Enlightened investors, that information can be found in the show notes. And when you go to the show notes, be sure to subscribe. Also, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about the show. If you have any questions. Also drop in a question. Ben, what are some of the biggest advantages for tax incentives in real estate these days? Well, you do have accelerated depreciation 
and you do have cost segregation and you have all these things. Real estate has always been tax advantageous in terms of being able to, through depreciation, shield some of the income. I warn people to be really careful around making decisions strictly from the standpoint of tax benefit, because it's very important that the deal you are doing is the deal you should be doing. It doesn't do you any good in the long term to buy a bad deal, even though it saves you money on taxes today, it's going to cost you tomorrow. So, you know, you have to be, I, I know I put Whitehaven at a disadvantage when I talk about these things this way, but I just, I've seen too many people make too many mistakes and, and regret doing so. Real estate depreciation, real estate tax benefit is the cherry on top of the cake. But you have to have a good tasting cake to begin with. So that, that's what I'll say about that. It is very advantageous. It, you will save, you will have, you know, with us negative numbers on your K-1 for the first and probably second year. It, it's just a fact. It's just, you know, until they change the laws, this is just the way it works. But I, I, I don't like to advertise this to potential investors because I think there's more important elements of deal structure that we all need to be thinking. This is a given. Ben, I like how you uh, phrase that. You have a lot of good turn on phrases here, but I like the concept of cherry on top of the cake. And as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about the fact that it probably doesn't matter what kind of deal you get into. You're always going to have those tax advantages in a real estate deal. And so what we really need to focus upon is not particularly looking at what is the tax structure on this, but we really need to look at the deal and is it, is it not a good deal? And, and I like how you also pointed out, Ben, that a bad deal, even though it may come with some fantastic tax advantages, it's always going to be a bad deal. And you, I suppose, through various different operational improvements and so on and so forth, you can make a bad deal into a somewhat good deal. But a bad deal is always going to be a bad deal. And it's just best to avoid those in the first place. You have vertically integrated your company with the construction in-house. Did you start out that way? No, absolutely not. We started out with our renovations being done by a property management company. And it wasn't working. I mean, it just wasn't working in many respects. So that's when we brought it in-house. And construction and multifamily, specifically in value-add, the economic losses that come with it are quite costly on a capitalized value basis. And so the more you can control that process, I mean, there are certain things you can't avoid, like, you know, the supply chain issues that are happening right now and have been, it is what it is. We can, you know, you can't do anything about that. But when things take longer than they should, and it takes longer to rent a unit, the value that you are losing on a capitalized basis, especially in a low cap market such as Phoenix, is tremendous. So, you know, a lot of people bring 
uh, property management in-house as if it's a big thing. Why? It's just 3%. Who cares? The amount, I mean, it pales in comparison to the kind of value you can create by bringing construction in-house and hopefully having things run smoother. That makes sense. Yeah. Enlightened investors, very enlightening conversation with a very insightful and experienced investor. Enlightened investors, thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to being with you in our next episode. Until then, be well and thrive and flourish. Ben, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.